Hello listeners, a friendly reminder that the companies and topics discussed on this podcast are general advice only. Please consult an advisor or accountant for any personal advice. Hello, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Market Pulse podcast. My name is Dion Gribben and you are listening to episode 44 of the podcast, the Citrus Squeeze edition. Thank you for tuning in. It is good to be back in the swing of things now, get the uh, I guess the habits back in place. Uh, the first episode of the year was last week, so if you missed out on that one, head on back and check out that. Um, but today we have a pretty big agenda in front of us, so I won't waste too much time and jump straight into it and have a look at how the market performed over the week that was. So for the ASX 200, we had a pretty we had a pretty good week. We were up 1.3%. For our for our market here in Australia, Tuesday to Thursday were all really really good days. It, it did sort of tail off a bit on Friday, like we closed down on Friday, uh, just on that day specifically. But it, that didn't stop the overall weekly gain of one point three percent for our benchmark index. So pretty good result for investors this week. The US sung a similar tune, if not a little bit better, depending on where you were. But the S and P five hundred was up one point nine percent. The Nasdaq. Uh, uh, 100 was up 4.2%, so some big rises there. So pretty decent week. Like I just said, some bigger moves in the US market, especially the NASDAQ index with those big weekly gains. A lot of that's coming from the huge heavyweight tech companies. A couple of examples of this were Apple, so rising a touch under 9.5% for the week. Um, Facebook pretty close to that. They were up 9.2% for the week and Microsoft at 6. 3% and not specifically because they released anything to the market. It's more of an anticipation surge because they're all, all those three are all scheduled to release earnings figures or quarterly earnings figures next week for investors. And I guess the anticipation is that it's going to be good. So they're gearing up for what should be some, some good news, some successful uh, reporting there from those companies. One of the ones that's pegged to be really good is Apple. So a lot of analysts are saying that it's going to announce its first ever $100 billion revenue for just a quarter, so a quarterly period. And a lot of that optimism comes from the success of the latest iPhone model, um, as well as their subscription services and their wearables business. So that'll be interesting to see during the week. I might just grab that point about uh, subscription services and segue over to one of the most known, or one of the most notable subscription services in the entire world, and that is Netflix and where obviously one of the bigger uh, stocks on the NASDAQ. Um, Netflix was very much in the spotlight this week because it did actually announce its quarterly earnings or Q4 earnings to the market. So Q4 being the last three months of the 2020 calendar year that just ended. And the first thing that hit people about those results was it surprised people in a good way. Um, it it tended to beat the sort of average analyst expectations of how well the quarter was for the firm. A couple of key points here regarding Netflix. So they surpassed 200 million subscribers for the first time. That was by adding 8.5 million paid uh, net additions. So subscribers across that quarterly period and that crossed them over the 200 million uh, mark of active subscriptions. They note in their quarterly that for the full year, they added a record number of 37 million paid memberships. So that was for the full year of 2020, 37 million. 
The company also reported $25 billion in annual revenue, and that's a 24% increase year on year for Netflix. And I'll jump from their official quarterly report there to just a CNBC article that talked about these results. And it kind of talks the continuing improvement of Netflix's balance sheet as a bit of a positive sign to investors. And this write-up is from a CNBC article. Uh, it's dated 19th of June, sorry, January 2021 by Lauren Finer. Quote, Netflix's expectation of soon becoming free cash flow positive would bring to life the bull case for the stock. Netflix said it would no longer need to raise external financing for daily operations, would even explore returning cash to shareholders. So that that last point about returning cash to shareholders certainly put a bit of a um, firework behind the stock this week. And it's pretty big news for a company where, I mean, you know, really the focus, a lot of the sort of, I guess you could say the negative or the con side of the column talk about Netflix over the last few years from what I've seen is just the amount of debt that the company's had to raise. And the use of that debt is, a lot of that's related to, con- to this content race because that's the game with the streaming platforms. The game is content and companies like Netflix are just constantly buying up the rights to stories and books and documentaries or whatever to compete with the likes of Disney+, Plus, now Apple TV+, Plus, or Amazon Prime Video. What else is HBO Max? I mean, it's heaps. You know, you could <laughs> I could just sit here for as a whole podcast episode and just name all the various media subscriptions uh, one by one after the, after another. But Netflix is very big on original content. I think my personal assessment of what they do really well is their sort of short mini series, like a like a sort of one season TV series. You know, this year they had a, a docu series called Tiger King, which kind of landed right at the perfect point of the COVID lockdowns, that was a big hit. More recently, the series Queen's Gambit. So these are the kind of things that Netflix does well because they don't have, you know, this kind of decades-old endearing back catalogue and brand that uh, something like Disney has. And Disney has it now, not with just literal Disney titles, but also the many other brands that Disney owns, like Lucasfilms or the entire Star Wars universe, the Marvel universe, which are... You know, the biggest movies in the world. But there's only so much that that existing content carries you, you know? So hence there's this sort of race to also engage people and get people onto the platform through new content as well. And in this quarterly report that Netflix released, they spoke to some of those big hitters for 2020 uh, for the platform like Crown, or the Crown, sorry, Bridgerton, um, but one of the biggest hits for them this whole year was The Queen's Gambit and Netflix notes this sort of broader cultural impact of the show because they said, according to their data, 62 million member households watched the series in its first 28 days on the platform. Uh, one of them, it's actually one of their most successful shows of all time. They mentioned that not just the direct impact to Netflix itself, but this flow on effect culturally that it has with the the likes of just chessboard sales across the world. And they referred specifically to a November 2020 article from the New York Times that talked about this phenomenon, um, just about the impact that the Queen's Gambit had on chess set sales. From the article here, quote, over the last year, so this is talking about 2020, sales of chess sets in the United States rose by around 25%, only slightly faster than just the average sort of toy industry overall, said a uh, toy industry analyst with MPD, a market research company. But in a, 
in the weeks, like just a few weeks since the Queen's Gambit, she said sales in chess sets had grown 125%. And uh, one of the big companies over there that makes uh, varieties of chess sets, Goliath Games, they said that their uh, chess set sales, um, when compared to the year prior, so compared to 2019, they were up 1,000%. So 2020 was a big, big year for chess sets. And then there's kind of popularity um, also flowed across to you've got platforms like Twitch, which is primarily primarily used for gaming streaming. And they've just noted that they've seen this big spike in the amount of people watching streamers play chess. So it's crazy. And that was a show that the I remember the guy who wrote it, I think, I think the guy who wrote it, but he tried forever to try and pitch it to someone as an interesting show and he apparently kept getting told that no one would care about a show about chess, um, but people do. So I'll close out this chat about Netflix. Another thing that was interesting was the shareholder letter attached to the quarterly results. So on the second or third page, they had this line graph that shows, so each line is is different shades, different colors, and it represents a different year. So it's the past few years of new subscriber growth so it shows 2017 and then in 2018, they added uh, more subscriber growth o- over the whole year. 2019 was kind of pretty similar to 2018. It was almost exactly the same. And then you get to 2020 and it's starting off on a pretty similar trend in how much new subscribers it's adding. It kind of looks a lot like 2018 and 2019. And then suddenly it hits pretty much March and just jumps up very significantly sort of across the March-June period, then sort of flattens out um, more in like a steady increase for the rest of the year. But And Netflix is just one of those firms that's very well positioned to capitalize on the hand that was dealt to us in 2020 uh, and really benefited not only from the content slate, but just the sheer fact that people were in lockdown. I'd say it's fair to say that you wouldn't be able to expect those numbers in 2021 in terms of it reflecting anything close to 2020. It's probably going to go back this year if you compare it year on year um, but back towards a sort of more, still growth but not like a sort of normal growth level um, closer to something you saw in 2019 or a bit better than 2019 so you could probably call 2021 a sugar hit and I mean other industries had a sugar hit as well which we'll discuss in just a second but it's it's been a really good year for Netflix and if you're a shareholder you're up about 66% over the 12 months so it's been a good year for you and you know, some in the media industry as a whole, it's not all good news. Like the, it's struggling, and I shouldn't just say struggling because, but I guess there's a lot of changing tactics, I suppose, pivot, if you will. But mixing, I guess, mixing it up to react to the current environment. Um, so you got related industries like only just a month ago, I think in sort of mid December, Warner Brothers made a decision to launch all of its 2021 film schedule on the streaming platform HBO Max at the same time they hit theaters. So they're still going to release it in theaters, but they're actually going to have it on HBO Max at the same time. So I guess if you're a consumer, you have a choice. And that's uh, very different to that traditional model, uh, sort of model of the cinema having this exclusive period um, before it's actually released generally for rental or purchase. And I guess they'll be trialing this experiment of releasing it on all platforms at the same time. Even Disney has experimented in a similar fashion with releasing its big films to Disney Plus in almost like a pay-per-view fashion where 
So even if you're a subscriber of Disney Plus, you might pay a certain like like 20 bucks or 30 bucks for the actual film when it comes out if you want to watch it. I guess that's com- pretty comparable to if you went to the cinema and bought two tickets, um, but you get to do it from your couch. And I know I've reflected on this topic in the past, but I'm curious to see how that experiment plays out for Warner Brothers across 2021. And I'm curious to see how Netflix continues to truck on for 2021 and if they do go ahead with some of those um, giving back to shareholder ideas like some share buybacks. Let's go home and back to Australia and we'll talk about some news or some company news here. I don't really have any... uh, There was some macro news that came out, but I want to focus on some of the more company-specific stuff and some of the few few stocks we've talked about on this podcast, uh, which happened to also be in the spotlight this week. So we'll talk about one of the 2020 IPO hits, which was Aussie Broadband. And we spoke about this company back in episode 33, the town hall edition of this podcast. And I mentioned that at the time, the IPO gone off, it went off as a bit of a cracker um, for Aussie Broadband. Uh, if you bought into their IPO, it was it was a dollar per share. When it went live on the market last year, it jumped immediately to $2.20 um, and then closed out the week though at about $1.90. Um, so yeah, you have pretty much doubled your money off the IPO price alone. This week, uh, Aussie Broadband shares closed the week at, at $2.66 per share, up around uh, 21% for this week alone. So a very cracker week for these guys. And that came off the back of a good update on customer growth for the company. They announced um, first half of the financial year, they finished uh, with a total of three, just, just a touch over 342,000 connections, which is vast majority is residential, but they also have a uh, part of that figure is about 30,000 business um, NBN connections. And for for this company, for Aussie Broadband, that represents growth of about 31% over six months or 88% um, over 12 months. So it's a very fast growing little company, which is kind of contrary to what normally is happens with utility companies. But I think, I, again, you'd probably say you'd have to be careful expecting this speed of growth forever, right? Because there's only so much market share of the MBN they can chomp away at. And granted, they do, I mean, I'm focusing on one thing there. They do more than just MBN. They're into mobile phones. They do that fetch TV stuff. But it is a great little company. But I think you sort of, you have to sort of have that caveat in mind that, well, at a certain point, they're not just going to keep eating away from the Telstra's of the world. But yeah, all it's it seems to be a really well-run company. Anecdotally, I hear very positive things about you know the the user experience and the customer service. So it's not a surprise to see that translating um, to good results for Aussie Broadband. Another one was Zip, and I'll pause quickly to say, for full disclosure, I am a shareholder of Zip. So this is not I'm not putting this here as a recommendation. It's just information. So Zip came out uh, some big revenue growth. Their entire group quarterly revenue. So for the December quarter of 102 million, which is an 88% increase year on year, and their buy now pay later December revenue, so just the month of December was 40.2 million, and that's an increase. That's up 94% compared to the December the year prior, and similar to kind of all the play, uh, not all of them, but similar to the, the the big plays in this space, especially the biggest one, which is Afterpay. The story is growth overseas zip towards well zip last year acquired us-based quad pay so they have a footprint in the us 
And they all, they announced that across the final quarter over in the US, they added 915,000 new customers, so close to a million new customers over in the US. The other one that's very new for Zip is in the UK. So Zip UK only launched in December. So they don't have they didn't put out results for Zip UK, but that, that'll be something they re, I think they'll release later on in the year, probably more like Q3. So yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out for Zip. Another notable update this week came from the retail space and it was from a couple of companies. So firstly, it was JB Hi-Fi, which... So the JB Hi-Fi is, um, represents their operations here and in New Zealand as well as the Good Guys brand. So they own Good Guys and JB Hi-Fi saw some massive growth in their net profit after tax. If you take the first half of this current financial year compared to the prior period, their NPAT net profit after tax was up 86%, so huge. And yeah, that's a kind of, kind of company that probably at first had a little bit of doom and gloom about it. And, when we all started to go into lockdown, um, considering their their situation of big stores that are often located in shopping centers. But um, the thing I sort of focused or the thing I wanted to look for here is how their online sales are going because, you know, 2020 kind of added an extra impact or effect on the role of online sales in the retail space because it was already growing. Like, you know, you always, from all these companies, retail companies you see when they announce you know full year results that their online sales have have gone up as a as a proportion of their total sales but covid kind of gave it an extra kick up the butt and for jb hi-fi online sales were up 161 percent a total of 678 million for this first half but as a total of sales it it represents 13.7 percent so it represents not as much as you think but that's a big but that's a big growth compared to where they were um, last year for online sales. And if you take that same lens over to another company that reported some an update to the market this week, that is Super Retail Group. And they're the umbrella name for some pretty notable brands, um, Super Cheap Auto, Rebel Sports, BCF, so Boating, Camping, Fishing, and MacPack, the outdoor wear retailer. They had big online shifts, so their entire group online sales were up 87% to 237 million, um, and that represents a total of 13% of all group sales across the first half. So that's quite similar to JB Hi-Fi's, which is 13.7%, so pretty similar representation there. The biggest percentage gain across their brands in online sales actually went to BCF. They were up 113%. Rebel 102, so not too far behind, and MacPack 94. And I guess kind of like when you think about what those brands sell, that speaks to where a fair bit of the money that like discretionary spending that was being done last year kind of went by Australians. We've talked about some of those companies that, you know, that, that did quite well because of the, the tendency to holiday at home or holiday close to home domestically. Like another one that did really well last year was ARB, the 4x4 accessories group, uh, BCF is you know in the same kind of theatre of, of, of an ARB in terms of what it sells, sort of, but it's related. MacPack outdoor wear, of course, people tried to escape and, and do that, get that outdoor exercise because things were closed down in terms of like indoor gyms. And Rebel, I'm sure they, they must have got a little bit of a, a kick from people converting their home into gyms because they can't go to the gym. But I think uh, going back to a part or going back to the discussion of Netflix and I said the word sugar hit, 
we discuss when we discuss those quarterly earnings. I think what you need to be careful with if you're making, and this isn't advice, but if you're making the decision to invest in some of these companies right now, so today into JB Hi-Fi, I'm not talking about if you currently hold JB Hi-Fi, but say if you want to go into it today, the question kind of remains how long is that that sugar hit last? Because I'm not taking away from the brands themselves. So JB Hi-Fi and the like uh, is a solid company and... But 2020 also gave it some favorable tailwinds that are a little bit unique. So even if they did have to do, you know, their store closures, but because of people wanting to or needing to work from home, I should say, and buying the equipment from that, which JB Hi-Fi is very equipped to sell that kind of stuff, people not just working from home, but just spending time at home too. So that might be updating their TV or, you know, buying a Nintendo Switch or whatever it is. And then you had a fair bit of government stimulus pumping through uh, the likes of JobSeeker and JobKeeper and some of that would have found its way into the spending money of you know places like a JB Hi-Fi. There was people that took money out of their superannuation. Again, I'm sure there was plenty of people that did stuff like that, like took money out of the super, superannuation because their uh, situation was quite dire and the last thing they were going to do was buy a TV from JB Hi-Fi. But just speaking generally here, and then the people that perhaps were a you know they they held on to their employment or their employment or income was not affected or their their family income was not affected but they still you know couldn't do some of the things that they might have normally saved their money to do so you know thrown it at a big overseas holiday or something like that or bought a new car or whatever it is they that's why you see there's more popularity of some of those other stocks on the ASX like a Temple and Webster you see the success of uh, West Farmers brands like Bunnings and Officeworks. People being at home tended to translate to people updating and improving their home and that's certainly a, a tailwind that JB Hi-Fi took, just naturally, organically took a lot of advantage of. So I think that's something you have to work out if you're going into JB Hi-Fi now, does the price it's at right now, is this something you're willing to pay for right now? because it's pretty much at all, almost at all-time highs. It's hard to say because 2021 doesn't, I don't think it just, it's not now that we've, you know, celebrated New Year's, we don't just flick back to what we were doing pre-COVID, you know, because I don't, this year we're still not going to be overseas traveling and stuff either. So these companies will probably um, still be okay in terms of the amount of discretionary spending heading their way. But just make sure that you're comfortable uh, with what you're paying and you probably want to be thinking about it over the long term too of the of entering into a stock like this at this stage. But we'll see what happens over 2021. Be, maybe I'll come back to it in six months' time. We'll see where it's at. So, yeah, we hopped around a few different companies there. Uh, started in the US with Netflix and a few of the Australian companies here at home. But I hope you enjoyed the little chat there. That's a wrap for this episode of the Market Pulse podcast, episode 44. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you supporting the podcast. If you do have any questions, you can send them through to marketpulsepodcast at gmail.com. But enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your public holiday on Tuesday. My name is Dion Grubin and thank you for listening. See you later.